It's a real Bible. Yeah. It doesn't require any apps, <laughs> any electricity. <laughs> and I don't know why. This must be a divine thing because for some reason I just felt like I'd print my notes out, so I'm not even using my iPad. So I'm going to need you guys to really pray for me today that I can do this without any, any uh, electronic devices. If I feel weak, then I may run and grab my iPad. You know, anyway, all right, I will most likely, unless I finish this real quickly, I'll most likely finish this next week. What I'm desiring to do next week, and I believe the direction of the Holy Spirit is for next week, is to give room for testimonies. If you have testimonies as what the Lord, maybe some of you will have by then experienced some incredible breakthroughs, answered to prayer, because we're believing the Lord for some incredible things. And uh, so we'd like to make time and give give place for that, for you to share. Uh, those of you who may not know or be aware, we've been on a 21-day fast. We feel like the Lord directed us to do that uh, starting on the 10th of this month. And so this Friday will be our last day uh, after dinner. After dinner. So, but it, it's been an incredible, incredible journey. How many of you guys that have been participating are really glad that you've been doing this? Anybody? You know, in the past, I've, I have never been excited about fasting. Um, but I've been really excited about this. And I am anticipating and I'm looking forward to with the grace of God and the help of the Holy Spirit and all the help I need to uh, incorporate this into my life on a, to make this a regular thing. To live a, a fasted lifestyle. That doesn't mean I'm going to do a 21-day Daniel fast every month, anything like that. Um, I haven't been delivered from chocolate or steak yet. Not yet. <laughs> I'm not actually praying for that deliverance either. But I have been enjoying. We've been eating vegetables and fruit and, and in fruit and vegetables. And then sometimes we'll have vegetables. And then for dessert, we'll have fruit. And we really want to splurge. We'll have a smoothie with fruit and vegetables in it. But it's been, you know, but it's been really amazing. Um, as I said before, I didn't realize, you know, someone says, well, when you do a Daniel fast, what are you fasting? And in a nutshell, everything that's good, you're fasting from. That, exactly. That's the way I used to believe. I used to feel that way because it's like, man, if you can't eat this stuff, I'm not going to go into details. I don't want to cause you to stumble. But when you don't eat this stuff, then it's like, what else is there? Because I thought a Daniel fast meant carrots and celery. I mean, that was my concept of it, you know, because what else is there? But obviously there's a whole lot more. And when you have a wife that loves to, that she's creative and and can use the internet and, and talk to friends and get all these ideas. Ladies, I appreciate you guys sharing ideas. And there's been some awesome, awesome meals. We had a, some friends over the other night. It was so funny. Uh, they were over for dinner. And we were eating uh, an Asian pasta and vegetables on top. And we were all acting like we hadn't eaten in days. It's like, this is so good. This is so good. Lisa, this, I mean, we're just tearing it up. And it, it was. But it's amazing. How when you eat good things that are good for you, 
how you can even develop a taste for that. And when you put aside the junk, the preservatives, the sugar, and all that kind of stuff, how the things that are good for you can even, you can become even more hungry for that. Don't get, some of you are getting scared. You're like, please don't go where I think you're going. I'm not going, I'm just saying, and it's the same thing with God. When we put aside the stuff, because see, our souls get so cluttered with noise, with um, just the stuff the world throws at us, the cares of this world, the desire for other things, the busyness and all that kind of stuff. And, that, and regular life is one thing, but when we add to it the entertainment and sports and all this kind of stuff, and then we just, our souls get cluttered, cluttered, cluttered. And then it's like, you know what, I need, I should spend time with the Lord. And we know we should, but it's like we're already full of stuff, and so we don't hunger for the things of God. But when we make a uh, an intentional effort, says, you know what? And that's what I believe fasting is all about. When we make an intentional effort, say, I'm putting the stuff aside. I'm turning off, whether it's the radios, the internet, the TV, the Facebook, the whatever. I'm turning that off, and God, I'm coming after you. When we do that, what, what happens is, is our taste for those things can begin to diminish, and our hunger for Him begins to increase. How many of you guys have been experiencing that? Your, your hunger for God has increased. And that's what I've been experiencing. And that's why I am so excited about this fast. Is my hunger for Him and His presence has been going up as I've been putting aside. Now I want to tell you a miracle that's, that's happened in the last couple of weeks. Was OSU had a basketball game. And I didn't even know it. Come on somebody. Come on now. Come on. I mean, God's moving. I didn't even know because I'm always aware of when they're playing. Because if I can either watch it or listen to it, I had no idea. This alert went off. I looked at it and it said, Marcus Smart scored this. And I'm like, what? They played? And I was amazed. And that's a, that's a, a victory in my heart because I was unaware because I, I unplugged myself. I wasn't listening to the radio and that kind of thing. And so I wasn't even aware of it. And that's what I want. I want more of God's stuff. And when I mean my stuff, I want him, I want his presence, I want his kingdom and all that. Now, we've been talking about drawing close to God. He's He's given us an invitation to draw close to him. He says, if you will draw close to me, I will draw close to you. And I believe his footsteps towards us are bigger than ours towards him. But he's saying, draw close to me. In other words, that's an intentional move on our part. When we say, you know what, I'm turning away from this stuff and God, I'm coming towards you. And then, boom, he'll come right at us. And what I want to talk about is practically, you know, because we talk about spending time with God so we can draw close to him, so we can know him more, so we can experience his love. This morning in pre-prayer, a real strong vein that was coming out was God wants us to know and experience his love in a greater way. We want to love God in in a greater sense. And how do we do that? When I say, you know, it's important to spend time with God, what does that look like? And so what I'm going to be sharing today is very basic, very basic. Probably everyone in here has heard it before, but I guarantee you this one thing. It is the most important thing you could ever do on this planet, what we're about to talk about. Talking about practical ways. Remember, in John chapter 15... Verse 7, Jesus says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this, by what? 
Saying, by this, my father is glorified that you, that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. When he says by this, I believe that this is as we're abiding in him and his word abides in us. We ask what we desire and he does it. By that will my father be glorified. Our answered prayer. Remember, we talked about God wants us to be his friends. Jesus says, I no longer call you servants, but I call you friends. He was wanting to move into a deeper relationship. And right here, he shows it again. God wants to be able to entrust his kingdom to us. He wants to be able to entrust resources to us. Some of you, I've I've been praying. I've been praying. Watch out. I've been praying. I know that you've been praying. I've been joining with your prayers that God will overload you with finances, that he will smother you and your prayers. Okay, God, now what do I do with it? You see, God wants us to be the kind of people that he can entrust his resources to us. He says, if I bless this child, I know they will use it for my kingdom purposes. They will direct it where I tell them to direct it. And we don't get overwhelmed and and self-consumed. And okay, good, I got all this and now it's all about me. He wants to be able to trust our hearts with his stuff. And the way for that to happen is as we abide in him and his word abides in us. How do we do that practically? That's what I want to talk about. Mark chapter 12, verse 30 and 31, it says, And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So if you want to uh, wrap everything up in one package, what's the kingdom about? It's about loving God with our whole being and loving each other. Loving each other. That's why you hear a lot of emphasis on his presence, expectation of him, and relationship with each other. And if you ever get tired of that, I'm not going to apologize because that's what we're about. We are about and we will become more about connecting you to him. Because it is all about Jesus. It is all about him. Amen? And so we want to draw close to him, have a relationship with him, and we want to be effective in drawing other people to him. And so as I talk about this, loving God, how do we do that practically? And then in a couple of weeks, Steve is going to be talking about the other part, loving your neighbor as yourself. It's interesting how it says love your neighbor as yourself. If you don't love yourself, then you cannot effectively love your neighbor. So we have to do the things that is going to affect us impact us powerfully, set us free so that we can be free to love other people. See, some of us have a hard time loving other people because we really don't like and love ourselves. Talk about that another time. All right, loving God. If we want to grow in our love relationship with Him, then we must do this by spending time with Him on a regular basis. And if we have a desire to be fruitful, then we must abide in Him and have His Word abide in us. So when we talk about knowing God, loving God, spending time with God, we have to be practical. If it stays in the theoretical realm, then we're not going to get anywhere. It has to be, remember the Bible talks about not just being hearers of the word, but doers. Remember that? So it's practical. God's kingdom is very practical. And that's what I appreciate about it. Because I'm a very practically minded person. When God teaches me something, I'm like, okay, God, what does that look like? How do I do that? And then he shows me how to do it. And so how do we spend time with God? First of all, I want to say, to show you how practical this is, is God relates or equates or gives us a visual of what our relationship with him looks like. He relates it to marriage. 
He relates it to marriage. Why does he do that? So we can have a practical idea of what it should look like. He says, you know, and of course when God's talking about marriage, his marriage it should be a wonderful commitment, loving uh, respect between a husband and wife where they're drawing close to each other. And so if you want to know how do I draw close to God, how do I have a relationship with God, then you think, well, how would I have a good marriage? How would I have a good marriage? You know, a friend, te- uh, not text me, he um, uh, sent me a message through Facebook a, a couple of months ago, about a, sometime in December, November. And he used to come to church here, but he moved away. And, and he has he and his wife have a child, a little girl. I believe she's about two-ish or something like that. And he said, man, CJ, we got this little girl. And, you know, she's a handful. She's a doll. She's the, you know, she they love her and everything. But he says, how do you maintain that relationship with your spouse when you have this little bundle of joy? And he says, you had six. So how in the world did you do it? And so I begin to share with him practically, well, you, if you have, because it's not just, you know, you, when you get married and it's just you and your wife or you and your husband, then that's one thing. But when you have to add job, life, bills, taxes, and then you have children, all the, the busyness of life, those things that are not bad can kill your marriage if you're not careful. And so what you have to do is you have to be very intentional with your marriage. And you have to, men, you have to say, I will not allow anything to diminish my relationship with my wife. I will not. So when, it, when it's talking about us being warriors, men, our first battlefield is fighting for our spouses. We have to stand up and fight. And when these things try to come in and attack our marriage, say, nope. And it could even be the TV. It can be the video games. It can be sports or whatever. Those things that come in and crowd out our time that we should be spending with our spouse. And so what I'm saying is that we have to be very intentional. We have to protect. We have to nurture and cherish our spouse, our wives. You ever heard that scripture before? And we have to protect that relationship and be intentional in planning. Sometimes, and even if you have a good relationship, sometimes you have to stop and say, how are we doing and reevaluate, sit down and have a planning meeting and say, okay, how are we doing in this area? We need to, are we spending our time? Are we connecting daily? Are we having our couch time? As we learned from Jim and Rosemary Kleckler, couch time is when the husband and wife, they sit down on the couch where the couch time term comes from. You, you train your children if they're younger to not interrupt mom and daddy. And you sit there in your children's presence and you connect with each other. You talk about how things are going. And you just love on each other and you let your children see that. Because you're, you're reminding them, mommy and daddy are first. Mommy and daddy are first. Now I don't want to get off into all that teaching. That's a whole other thing, but that's important. For husbands, you to connect with your wives. Wives, you to connect with your husbands on a daily basis. And not just through texting or Facebook. Okay, just want to make sure we're clear on that. So we have to be intentional. So when it comes to spending time with God, the first thing you have to do, just like I was encouraging you last week, is you have to be intentional. You have to set a time, and you can't say, just like with your spouse. She says, honey, let's go out. Okay, we'll do that when we have time. Because what's going to happen? 
is not going to happen, is it? When you wait to have time, your time just melts away. What do you do for the things that are important to you? You schedule them. So why wouldn't we think that we should do that for God? We schedule our time. And so here's what I'm learning to do each week. Because sometimes your schedule changes from week to week and your days change from day to day. I can't have a consistent quiet time every single day of the week. Like from 6 to 7, Monday through Saturday. I can't do that because my schedule changes. Sometimes I have 6.30 a.m. meetings. And I'm not getting up at 3 a.m. in the morning to pray. Because it doesn't work for me. I've tried that before. I had wonderful dreams. And so what I learned to do is I start my week out. I'll do this on Sunday nights as I'll look through my schedule, see what the plans are, and then I'll start blocking in Jesus time. Boom, boom, boom. And I put it as a schedule. So if someone says, hey, do you want to go out for lunch? Or can we get together? I say, what time do you have? And they say, from 1 to 2. Look at my schedule. Nope, that's my Jesus time. Hey, sorry, I already got an appointment. So the first thing you have to do is you have to schedule your Jesus time. You have to be intentional. If you don't, it won't happen. Okay? So then when you schedule your Jesus time and you have, and can I say something? Now, this is me. And I don't know if it's from my flesh, soul, or if it's from my spirit man. But I kind of take offense. This is, again, this is me. When you read by these books talking about 15 minutes with Jesus, 10 minutes with Jesus, we're talking about the king who saved our lives. And I'm going to give him 10 minutes a day? Are you kidding me? So I wanted my heart encouragement is let's, let's give him our time. And I'm not saying three, four hours a day. I'm not encouraging that. I'm not discouraging it either. I mean, go for it. If, if you can do that or whatever, go for it. But I mean, give him a chunk of time. I would say bare minimum, just getting started. 30 minutes. And I I hesitate to even say that. But I think ideally, we can give them an hour. Starting with. Because there's there's many things. Now, some of you are thinking, I can't pray for an hour. Well, there's there's other things you can do. And we'll talk about that. So first of all, you need to set your time. And, um, and then protect that time. Now, some of us, it means getting up earlier for work. And that means doing, doing away with the snooze button. Because we know the snooze button is of the devil. He invented that one. You guys know what I'm talking about, don't you? You know, on the iPhone, it's nine minutes. Not that I know that personally. I've, I've just. All right. So we got to set our time. And then what do we do? First thing we need to do is important to spend regular time in his word. Number one. Numero uno, his word. His word. You know, I remember not too long ago. I don't know if anybody caught it. But I was sitting there, you guys, this is, has to be important. We have to spend more time in this. Then I realized what I was doing. Oh, <laughs> wrong one. I mean this right here. We need to spend time in his word. Now, the reason why I hold this up is because I do a lot of my Bible reading out of here. Because it has many, many, many translations. So I love it. But anyway, his word has to become our number one priority. His word. His word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Psalms 119 in there somewhere. And Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of God's mouth. Luke 4, 4. We have 
to spend time in God's word, especially in these days and especially in the church where we become very liberal. We become very feelings and emotionally oriented to where if it feels good, it's got to be God. We become lukewarm. We become casual when it comes to sin. And we become, we begin to line up our thinking with the ways of the world because it makes sense logically, but it contradicts the word of God. And you know, unfortunately, a lot of us don't even know what God's word has to say on, on many topics. And so we just go with our opinion. You know, well, I think, what does God's word say about that? I don't know, but I think, and we have to do away with the, what I think, what does Jesus think? Now I'm talking to those who want a more intimate and close relationship with Jesus. Now remember, that's what we're talking about. If you don't, then ignore everything I'm saying. Because it won't make sense. So what I encourage you is, so we have to commit to spending time with him in this word. And some may say, well, I don't know where to start. That's a good question. This is a big book. And a new believer, when when I have the privilege of leading someone to the Lord and, and they're brand new, I don't encourage them to open up the front cover and start in Genesis. I don't encourage that. What I encourage them to do is start in the New Testament. I'll say, hey, why don't you start reading the book of John, the gospel of John, so that you can get to know Jesus, this man who you just gave your life to. Or I'll say, hey, why don't you read in Proverbs or Psalms or, or book of James. But what I want to encourage you to do is, you know, there are many Bible reading programs. You know, reading the Bible through in a year, things like that. I would encourage you to grab a hold of one. And even though it's not the first day of the year, you know, it's not January 1st, you can still start on today and finish Finishing a year. Or some of you may be fast readers. You can do the same thing in six months, et cetera, et cetera. But there are many wonderful Bible programs. I encourage you to grab a hold of one and commit to it. And your heart is not just reading the Bible to be a good Christian. Not just reading the Bible so God will love you more. Do you realize he loves you just as much when you don't read his word as he, do, and he does when you do read his word? So we're not talking about performance here. We're talking about not his love for us, but our desire to move towards him. And I remember um, Ken Hall was sharing this the other day, and I thought it was a wonderful analogy. Seeing God's word as a love letter to us. That this is how he feels towards you. He has many thoughts, and his thoughts towards you are good. They're for your good, for your encouragement. He has a purpose, a hope, and a plan for you. And he was saying how in the military, when you were away from home and you received a, a letter from your wife or your girlfriend, man, that letter was valuable. It was precious. And you would read it over and over. And you probably had it memorized. You just, because it was a love letter to you. And that's how God wants us to see his word. It's a love letter to us. And you'll be, many of you will be shocked when you see how God sees you compared to how you see yourself. So spending time in his word, making it a commitment, even inviting accountability into your life, you know, a, f- a friend or a spouse or said, hey, let's go through this together. Uh, ask me, you know, let's keep our, each other accountable. You know, hey, what did you get out of God's word today? That kind of thing. Number two, through regular, consistent dialogue with him in prayer. If we want to spend time with him, then, of course, we want to talk to him. 
Praying with the understanding, praying for things that from on your heart, burdens, needs, casual conversation with the Father. So there is a time to pray. A time to pray. And I want to encourage you not to make all of your prayer time, uh, God, I need this. God, I'm praying for this person. I'm praying for this person. I'm praying for this person. Now, it's important to do all that. But I want to encourage you to include, God, I love you. Is there anything you want to tell me? What's on your mind, Lord, that I can handle right now? (laughs) And just talk and listen. Dialogue back and forth. Amen? Also, praying in the Holy Spirit, personal prayer language, praying in tongues. 1 Corinthians 14, 4 says, A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally in the Lord. But one who speaks in a word of prophecy, who speaks a word of prophecy, strengthens the entire church. Jude 20, But you, beloved, build yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 26 and 27. In the same way, the Spirit, capital S, also helps our weaknesses. For we do not know how to pray as we should. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And He who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because He intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So the Holy Spirit's important to pray in our prayer language. Because the Holy Spirit will help us to pray the perfect will of God. And one thing I want to bring out is it says a person who speaks in tongues, 1 Corinthians 14, 4, is strengthened personally in the Lord or edifies, builds himself up in the Lord. But then it also goes on to say, but the one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. And right here, what I want to say here, and I'm not going to be able to elaborate on this today, but I will in the the near future, God willing. I believe... Prayer language, speaking in tongues, is for every believer. Every believer. And I want to explain why. Because some of you think, well, what about that scripture that says, I believe it's in Romans, do we all, um, it's asking a question, it's a rhetorical question, do we all do this? Is is everyone an apostle? Does everyone do this? Do we all pray in tongues? Or do we all speak in tongues, excuse me? And of course, the answer to those questions are no. And you say, see right there, it says, do we all pray or speak in tongues? And the answer is no. So therefore, tongues is not for every believer. And that's the conclusion people have drawn. And I believe that's a false conclusion. And actually, I need to open my Bible back up to 1 Corinthians First Corinthians 14. I just want to share this point real quick. First Corinthians 14, starting with verse 1. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. Some translations it says earnestly desire or even lust after spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit he speaks mysteries. Okay, moving on. Uh, but he who... Prophesy speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. Who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. And right there from those verses, one, they'll say, well, see, prophecy is better than tongues, so we need to go after prophecy and not tongues. Or prophecy is superior to tongues because right here, it's saying that tongues is for yourself, prophecy is for the whole church. Now, isn't it important to edify the whole church? 
Is it not? It is important for our church, for this congregation to be built up. But is it not important for you individually to be built up? So why should we have to choose one or the other? Why can we not have both? If I want to edify and build up the church, don't I myself need to be edified and built up? So to me, it makes more sense that God would want me as his son to be able to have a way for me to build myself up so that I can edify the church. And I believe he wants that for everybody. Now, getting back to, well, what about the verse that says, do we all speak in tongues? And the answer is no. Look at verse 2, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 2. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. Here's a conclusion I've come to. Well, first of all, we have two choices. Either the Bible contradicts itself or there's two types of tongues. I personally don't believe it contradicts itself. Right here it says, I'm going to read it again. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God, for no one understands him. So right there, I believe it's talking about personal prayer language, because in that prayer language, you are speaking mysteries to God. No one understands you. But there's another type of tongue. Exactly, the public tongue, when you're speaking in tongues and people from other languages understand you. Either contradicts itself or there's two types of tongues. So getting back to the other verse when it says, do all speak in tongues? And the answer is no. Not everybody will walk, move in the public gift of tongues, which is speaking a tongue and there's an interpretation. Okay, not everybody does that. But I believe God wants every believer to have the prayer language speaking in tongues. Okay, did you follow me on that? Now, whether you agree with me or not, that's okay. You can deal with that. But I just wanted to bring that. And the reason why I wanted to make that point clear is because I believe it's important for you to be edified. God designed certain things for us to be built up. Matter of fact, Jude says, I read it earlier, it says, Jude verse 20, But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, How many of us need to be strengthened in our faith? We don't need more faith. Okay, I don't... Anyway, we don't need more faith. We need to be strengthened in our faith. Because all we need is faith the size of a mustard seed. And you can say to the biggest thing on the planet, move. So why would you need more faith? We need to be strengthened in our faith. And right here he says, pray. Or excuse me, beloved, build yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. And then he says in back in first Corinthians 14, he who prays in a tongue edifies himself. Let me ask you this question. Let's go to logic mode. Why would God want this half of the room to have the ability to edify themselves and this half of the room not to have that ability? Because he's a respecter of people, right? But for me to say that tongues is not for me, that I'm saying, God, you love this person. You respect this person more than me. Does it make sense? No, it doesn't make sense. And I hope, I hope that brought some clarity to some of you. So my point is, if you don't have it, God wants you to have it. If you've been praying for it and believing God for it and it hasn't happened yet, do not come under condemnation. That is not of God, that's of the enemy. But I just want to encourage you to stay open 
and say, God, I, I do want this. And just because you've been prayed over or prayed for a number of times and it hasn't happened yet, don't assume or interpret that to mean God doesn't want that for me. Okay? So I just wanted to bring, just wanted to share a few things on that. But it's important, getting back to our lesson here, it's important to not only pray in English, pray in the understanding, because Paul says that later in Corinthians. I pray with the understanding, or I pray in my native tongue, which to me it's English, and I also pray in the Spirit. So he wants us to be able to do both. And so I want to encourage you to do both. And those of you who do have your prayer language, is God's word true or not? Would you agree with me that it's true? Okay, so if he says that he who prays in a tongue builds himself up, is that true or not? It's true. Then why don't we do, why don't we do it more? Many of us, the only time we pray in tongues is when we get in a corporate prayer meeting. You know, come on guys, let's pray, let's stir ourselves up. Then we start praying in tongues. What about at home? What about in the car? What about just throughout the day? If we really believed his word, particularly that word, he who prays in tongues builds himself up. If we believe that, then guess what we're going to do more? We're going to pray in our our prayer language more. I mean, don't you agree? And one thing, here's something that spurred me on. Paul says um, in that passage in 1 Corinthians 14, he says, I thank God that I pray in tongues more than you all. Or speak in tongues more than you are. I can't remember what you, but he says, I do it more than all of you guys. And I'm thinking, how arrogant can you be? How do you know that, Paul? Do you go engage? How many hours a day do you pray in tongues? I pray three and a half. Got you beat. How many hours do you pray? I pray five. Got you beat. You know, does he gauge everybody and says, hey, the more they pray is six hours and I pray seven. So I pray more than everybody. And I'm thinking, how would Paul know? Remember, this is the dude that went to the third heavens and saw such unexplainable things he couldn't even he couldn't he wouldn't even allowed to talk about it he saw some stuff didn't he and i believe he gained some revelations from seeing that stuff and i believe this is a personal opinion thus saith cj i believe because of what he experienced and what he saw in his relationship with jesus that he had a little bit of a better understanding when it came to praying in tongues and it oh he's like oh my goodness and he was so convicted or, or just came to this understanding. And so he prayed in tongues. I prayed more than all of you guys. He was probably praying all the time. Because remember in Ephesians chapter 5 or 6, 6 I think, pray continually. I think Paul did that. But how do you pray always? How can you pray nonstop in tongues? Make sense? And so my encouragement for you. And I'm really, I really feel like the Holy Spirit's wanting to bring this point home. And this will have to be my last point for the day. Even though I'm not even halfway doing my notes. My challenge to you, my double dog dare to New Covenant Fellowship, I want to encourage you to pray in your prayer language more. And here's a, here's, I was thinking about this earlier today. Here's a, a little, now you can bring out your iPhones and help you with this. I would encourage you to set a timer like daily. Let's say at, let's say if you get up at seven and you're driving, let's say you're driving to work, um, at 7.45, pretty much every day. Then set your timer to go off, your alert to go off at 7.45. And when you look at it, it says pray in tongues. 
And then I want to encourage you from that point to work, pray in tongues. If it's a 10 minute drive, it's a five minute drive. If it's an hour drive, well, maybe not an hour if you don't want to, you can. But in other words, and it doesn't have to be just on your way to work, but set a time in your schedule. So when it goes off, you can pray in the spirit and just begin to do that. And now here's what you need to do. When you do that, don't just go through. That's not what I'm talking about. Right. I'm talking about, you know what, God? I'm going to begin to believe that your word is true and that as I do this, I'm going to be building myself up and I'm going to begin to prepare myself for what you have for me. So I'm going to engage in this by faith and tear it up. I mean, tear it up. Are you with me? Imagine if New Covenant Fellowship began to do this on a regular basis. We did this for, oh, a month, a few months, a year. Do you think something might change? Do you have faith for that? So I double dog dare challenge you. Not to stick your tongue on a cold pole. I'm not talking about that. I guess some of you seen that movie, huh? I almost tried that once, but not. Let's stand up. One thing I, I do want to say, thank you. You guys are so incredible. You're so fun. I'm not just saying that in a flattery type way. What I mean by when, when you participate the way you have in fasting and praying and going after God, I mean, I feel like a kid. It's like we have a new toy and it's big enough for all of us to play with. And we get to run after God together. And it's like, Daddy, you're so awesome. Daddy, and worship this morning was incredible. And But what makes it incredible, not only the worship team leading us the way they do, but the way you guys engage. And we just love on him. From my perspective, that rocks. I stole that phrase from somebody. But that's just awesome. Because what I feel from my perspective, I see hunger, I see excitement, I see the desire for things to change, the desire for the things of the world to diminish in our lives, and the desire for the things of God to increase in our lives. There's nothing more exciting for a pastor. Isn't that right, Pastor Dale? There's nothing more exciting than that. than for people to be hungry for God. And it's exciting. That's why I've been so excited about this fast. Because what's happening so I just want to say thank you. We're not done yet. We're coming to the finish line. I can see it. I'm not going to tell you what piece of dessert I see at the end. I don't want to cause anybody to stumble. But let's pray. Father, we thank you so much. You are so wonderful. So good. And Father, I thank you that as we see practical ways how to draw close to you, that we're not seeing it as rules and things that we have to do to be better Christians. But we're seeing these as, as opportunities for us to grab a hold of you, to grab a hold of your leg and, and allow you to walk with us hanging from you and to climb up in your lap and to hear the things that you want to tell us, Lord. Thank you for the opportunity. Father, again, I pray for grace, grace, grace upon every person in here. 
that that desire in us would increase to spend time with you, that we would run after you. That when we knock on your door and we come and you say, come in, you say, oh, it's you again. Weren't you just here a few minutes ago? And we just continue to run after you, Father. Thank you for what you're doing. And Father, it's not just about what's happening with us and you, but it's about what's going to be happening in this community. What's going to be happening in the surrounding area when people come to fall on their face and know Jesus and people are, are saved and healed and delivered from drug addiction and pornography and abuse. They're, they're, they're set free from that because your people begin to share the love of God with people. We thank you. Thank you so much. We love you. We honor you. We bless you. And we're coming after you, God, this week. So get ready. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you and have an awesome week. And I'll see you guys Friday evening at 6, 7 o'clock.